Okay, so our study has been the Christian mind. Um, what, what are the first two we've done? Let me see. The one first one was like an introduction, right? Uh, are Christians mindless? I think we uh, we came across uh, saying no. We actually have to use our minds. And then uh, the next one would have been a larger setting for mindlessness. Um, and this morning we come to our mind. Our mind being the Christian mind. Keep in mind that this is all pertaining to those who have been redeemed. Um, whose heart of stone has been removed and a heart of flesh has been put in. Our mind and the gospel. <coughs> when I say that phrase, our mind and the gospel, what are some of the, the scriptures that might come to mind with you? Have this mind in yourself. Say it louder. Have this mind in yourself that is in Christ Jesus who... Dot, dot, dot. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know I've heard the phrase in this church before that like, like, preaching the gospel to ourselves, like, that we, even as believers, we still need the gospel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when we hear the gospel, we have to, we have to believe it, we have to trust it, we have to know um, the one who gave us the gospel. Right, so our mind is involved in that process. Uh, is it possible for anyone at any time to hear the Word of God and believe it in and of themselves? I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the last part. In and of themselves. For them to just say no. <laughs> Is it possible for any person to hear the gospel and believe it in and of themselves? What no. do you mean by them? All by them? Meaning them. just with their intellect, assent to the truth of the gospel that they are sinners and that they need a, a Savior uh, and that Jesus Christ is that Savior. Can they, just by their intellect alone, believe that? Versus, what's the other option? Versus, and this is why everyone said no, <laughs> because our mind, our hearts are deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? Um, so our hearts need to be brought to life, from death to life. Okay, so in other words, um, no one can believe the message of the gospel unless the Holy Spirit works on them. Okay. Okay. But they don't need a, a church, or they don't need <clears throat> to have other believers necessarily influencing them. If they have the Word of God, they can. Faith establish. comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Yes. Right. Right. Now, that typically happens right. um, with a believer sharing the gospel and then them believing because the Holy Spirit rege um, regenerated them, and then they become a part of a, a local body which then feeds into them constantly, right? That's the normal method of, of uh, Christian growth. 
But that's not discounting that someone on an island could have become a believer and is stuck on an island with their Bible and they can they can grow. They're they're gonna be stunted because they don't have the rest of the body to help them grow. But yeah, that I mean that could happen. <clears throat> mind the word mind and the gospel. Somebody tell me another verse that come yeah, go ahead. Uh, to wash and renew your mind. Okay. How do how do you renew your mind? By the washing of the word. And what does that mean? Uh, to to be in the word, ideally daily. Uh, to, as Doug said when he was here, when you approach your devotion, approach it from not the mindset of what am I going to get out of this, but what does the word say. Mm-hmm. What other verses can you think of that have to do with the mind in relation to God? Whatever is true, noble, just think about these things. Mm -hmm. Thinking, Mm -hmm. putting into your thinking. Sure. The entire book of Proverbs. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) What about uh, the, uh, (coughs) the greatest of the commandments? Anybody know those? What are the greatest of the commandments? Yes. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself, right? What if I were to tell you that uh, the mind portion of that was not even in the original text that was being quoted there? <clears throat> Was love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might or strength. Mind wasn't in there. Okay. But then, in the New Testament, when uh, when we're hearing that. We're, we're told we're, we're told to add the mind into that concept. So, what do we think of as the mind in today's language? When I say mind, what do you what do you immediately think of? Brain understanding. Your brain, your understanding. Okay. Intellect. Your intellect. Okay. Ability to reason. Right. Your reason. Okay. Anything else? Discernment. Yep. Mm-hmm. Your awareness. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> in Scripture, in the Old Testament, we've got <clears throat> multitudes of uh, meanings for the word mind that are translated as the word mind. Uh, a lot of them come from um, the Hebrew. I'm not even going to say it because I'm going to mispronounce it, but it's a word that means the inner man. So whenever they were talking about the mind, they were mostly talking about the heart. Now, when we say heart, we're thinking of the the beating thing in the thing in the center of our chest, right? That's not what the original meaning of heart was. It was the inner man, and actually, it was kind of more located somewhere down in the gut. 
You know, I don't know if, and I'm pretty sure everyone here has felt this, but when something's going wrong and you are afraid that a loved one is in danger or, or you're afraid that a, that a relationship is going to be damaged, where do you really feel the hurt? It's like down deep in the pit of your stomach, right? And, and you just can't get away from that feeling. Well, that is the, the, the idea of what um, the Israelites were thinking when they, when they said mind, when they said heart. It was something down deep in the, in the very center of the person. <clears throat> um, now, in the, in the New Testament, we've got uh, the understanding of whenever it talks about mind, a lot of times it's talking about the word nous in Greece. Nous translates literally to mind. Um, I want to jump back all the way to the beginning. Okay? When God created Adam and Eve, um, he said, he finally said, it is very good. Right? There was no sin in the world. Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day, you know, in the cool of the evening, um, communed with God, had no interference in their relationship with God. And then sin entered in. And their relationship was broken. But something happened to humanity at that moment. The spirit died. It was separated yeah. from the one who is Exactly. <clears throat> so when God said, in that day you shall surely die. They did. They actually died. Okay, so, but they lived on for another you know, 600, 700 years. So how is it that they actually died? Spiritually, they died. Think about, think about a flower. It's growing. It's beautiful. It's blooming. It's alive. You cut that flower off so that you can put it in your vase and enjoy the flower. But the moment you cut it off from the source of life, it is dead. Yes, it's still, it's still a beautiful flower, but it's going to wilt. Now, again, all analogies fall apart at some place because, hey, what if this, this particular flower that you had, you cut it right at the, at the <laughs> node and now it starts rooting? Well, okay. That's besides the point. At the moment that it was cut off from the source of life, it was in effect dead. All of humanity from that point forward was cut off from the source of life. And there's something besides just the, the loss of that connection to the source of life that happened to humanity we were now affected in every way by sin. Now this word nous, the mind, the Greek word for mind, also comes, it's also the same word 
that um, is the root of the word nuthetic, nuthetic counseling. Um, it has to do with the noetic effects of sin. Noetic means of the mind. So in the moment that Adam fell, something happened to our ability to comprehend. We lost the ability to truly understand who God is. <clears throat> and didn't we also lose the preservation thinking of how do I stay alive and sure me 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 and no more communion with God just innately yeah now it's all we're turned in on ourselves yeah we're looking out for ourselves rather than doing what the commandment says which is love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself no it's I love me above I, I love anybody else the the short catechism it says that we're created, created, God created as male and female after his image in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. Mm -hmm. You think of those three things, and yeah, as soon as Adam sinned, our you know, his knowledge, righteousness, and holiness are out the window. They're and gone. You read Romans 1, and Romans mm -hmm. 1 is describing that. And it talks about, I don't know if we can go here, but talks about becoming futile in their thinking mm -hmm. and. Uh, Dark, uh, their foolish hearts were dark. <clears throat> and he gave them over to a debased mind. Right? What, is, what does that mean that he gave them over to a debased mind? You want this? You've got it. I'm gone. It's yours. <laughs> Your thoughts are so wrong. I'm just going to leave you to your thoughts. I'm going to leave you to your debased thoughts. And these thoughts are your intentions. Your will, the things that from inside of you, you want to do. Um, so the, uh, the description that was put forth, I guess it was on Wednesday. Sorry, I didn't get the, the note to you in time. You wrote the note for me. Uh, the darkening of the human mind against God is not a new phenomenon. We have walked in the futility of our minds since Adam sinned against God. However, our duty as creatures is to love God and our neighbor. Does God leave us alone in this endeavor, expecting the impossible of us? Okay. <coughs> so, we've lost our, our ability to understand God. Have we lost our ability... And now I'm speaking about just the world in general, not necessarily believers who've, who've had their minds renewed. Has the world lost its ability to reason, to think? No. That's, that's an amazing thing, that, that we can still, as fallen human beings, learn how to, I don't know, repair the creation to come up with drugs that that work to fix something that's wrong inside of God's creation but that doesn't require belief that doesn't require holiness that doesn't require righteousness so this 
this something that we lost has to be something other than just our ability to think. It's got to do with our ability to understand who God is and our relationship to God. <clears throat> now, even though we lost the ability to rightly think about God, that does not absolve us of our responsibility to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. So, um, we're kind of in a predicament here. It's still our responsibility to do so because he is our creator. He is our authority. But we don't have the ability to do this. Has he left us alone to do this? And to that, of course, I say, of course not. Um... So the idea of the, the word that's being used to translate mind in the New Testament in a lot of places as nous has to do with much more than just our ability to reason. But it's got to do with everything that's involved in what it means to be human. It's got to do with our spirit, our understanding, our, our desires in it. So there's another word uh, in Greek called that's um, Sophia. Does anybody word know what that word means? Wisdom. Wisdom. Yes. Can you give me a definition of wisdom? It's noticing a mistake, but not necessarily pointing it out. <laughs> okay, that's an example of wisdom. That, and that's a great example of wisdom. <laughs> yes. The proper application of actual truth. Okay. That's a, that's a I'd say it's valid, but it's a little too broad. There's a there's a part of it where it's like it has to do with making decisions and like general rules about approaching things. It's like, deeper than that. Well, I, I guess what I'm getting at is that it's where you can have somebody, when we're talking about the gospel, and they, they can make a lot of references versus something just really understanding like what the essence of it is and mm -hmm. following that. Maybe not being able to explain it, but they understand it in a way that they can act on it. And So I don't really have a good definition yeah. of it. It's more, it's a, it's a in some ways, it's more what it's not, and it, it's usually simple. It's like they can see the, the essence of it and can apply the essence as opposed to the lost in details. Okay. So, I was going to say, that, so, uh, what do you say, kind of application of truth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's what he was getting at. Yeah. yeah, the application of truth. But if we're talking about the word Sophia, as it is, uh, <coughs> as it is used in the scripture, <coughs> Let's let's bring it around to the Sunday school answer and somebody get to Jesus for me. Yeah. Actual truth is said. 
you said actual truth. Very good, but we need to define that further. So let me let me give you an, a, a definition that uh, that I found. Sophia, wisdom, the highest intellectual gift. Which guess what? If it's a gift, you did not come up with it. It was given to you. The highest intellectual gift of comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. I was just about to say that. You were just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I just said, you know, uh, Alan, give me the, give me the answer. <laughs> So, can any one of us claim to have wisdom? No. Claim or aim? Claim to have wisdom. Inherently? Well, the fear of the Lord is... Inherently? Inherently? I wasn't really going that way, but go ahead. However you're going to use it. I would say no. No. Just in and of ourselves, no. Right? If it's a gift as that definition says, then it's not something we can drum up. It's something that has to be given to us. And when is it given to us? The Bible would suggest when you ask for it. When you ask for it. Solomon, you know, he said that he didn't ask for riches. He asked for wisdom and leading God's people, right? And because he didn't ask for riches, he asked for wisdom and leading God's people. God gave him not only the wisdom, but also the riches that he didn't ask for, right? I think most of us would be afraid to claim that we were wise. Yeah. I mean, that's really putting yourself <laughs> on a pretty high candle. Sure, well, sure. Well, a verse, they became wise in their own eyes or something. Yeah. It's like, it's a very, definitely a pejorative. Mm-hmm. And it says also, if you think you're wise in this age, become a fool. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And yet, Paul said in 1 Corinthians that uh, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, meaning that the mature in Christ have a form of wisdom, a true form of wisdom, and an understanding of the things of God and the purposes of God. So when do we get wisdom? Well, it starts at our salvation, and then it grows it would be best if we were not on an island because, you know, you really can't get wisdom if you've only got trees and animals to talk to. Um, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. So there's a difference in the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of those who are in Christ or those who have been redeemed. So the understanding of wisdom has to do with our knowledge of God, which if our knowledge of God is correct, then what's that going to lead us to? If we have a true, right understanding of who we are as human beings, and we have a right, true understanding of who God is, what does that lead us to? Suspicion of my own abilities and 
complete reliance on him. Complete reliance upon God. And when you fully rely upon the God who made a way for you to be redeemed, what does that lead to? Salvation. Well, that the only way that you can rely upon that God is if you've already been saved, right? But now you're saved. You're, you're alive from the dead. Like Colossians says, that he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. So we have that salvation. Eternal life, which is more than quantitative, it's quality. Mm -hmm. If we've been loved so much, then we will naturally love in return. So this gospel message that comes to us, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, who we could not possibly understand without our minds being renewed by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. But now that we are alive from the dead, we recognize that that is the truth we also see that God loved us and those who are forgiven much. What? Love much. So we who have been forgiven much now love God in return, not because we drummed up our love for him, right. but because he first loved us. And how much did he love us? the Lamb of God who was slain from before the foundation of the world. He loved us so much that he sent his only Son to become sin for us. The perfectly righteous one became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God? <clears throat> If that does not engender love in our hearts, then we don't understand what the gospel is. So now, Getting back to a question that I said earlier, why is mind, the word mind, added to the first commandment when Jesus is uh, telling us what the, the highest of the commandments are? If the first commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, why did Jesus add mind? Could it be that our heart is transformed, redeemed, we have Christ, but we live in a world and our mind is infiltrated and bombarded, and our mind is Christ's, 
but it seems like it is more influential and swayed. It's not a part of the assurance of salvation, the mind part, the heart. Yes, so this really needs the vertical exercise. Okay. Get in the word, know me, because this is going to dilute me. Mm -hmm. I love that answer. It's an excellent answer. Because yes, we do have the mind of Christ, right? Uh, there's, uh, let's see, where is it? I've got it in here somewhere. I got so many scripture references on this one. I, I got to find it. Have, uh, I mean, just coming off the top of my head, have this mind in you that was also in Christ. So we, it's that same mind of Christ. Um, Read it, because that's not actually on my list. Uh, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but indeed himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Okay, so what is that verse telling us to do? Have this mind, which was also Christ's mind, to be a servant. I mean, boil it all down, right? That Christ, who deserves to be honored, glorified, to be served, came and served us instead. Right? And that scripture is telling us, go do the same. Serve, serve. And, I mean, there's so much more to that scripture that you know we, we could unpack that for a week. But... Yes, that's one example of where it says, have this mind. So, why... Let, let's, let's think about all of the other things that Jesus did. Not all of them, because we wouldn't have time. But uh, any place that there was an understanding that, that God had given his people in the Old Testament, do this, live, do this, die... Do this, do this, do this. The, the law. What did Jesus say about the law when he came? He said, You have heard it said of old that if you murder, you're, you're in danger of the judgment. But I say, if you're even angry with your brother, you're in danger of the judgment. What did he do with the law? He elevated. He made it so much more than you think it is. Because it's always been so much more than they thought it was. But their minds were darkened. <clears throat> Don't commit adultery. But I say, if you even look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. The sin is not just the action. It's the intentions of the inner man. It's the intentions of your heart. So why would he add mind? Because he's doing the exact same thing. He was elevating a portion of our humanity that, frankly, we had lost. The ability to think in relation to God 
rightly, he's adding that here because, look, he's here now. If you're redeemed, you're going to have that ability added back into your humanity. Here's, here's a, a thought for a second. If Adam was fully human, and then he lost something, wouldn't that make him in some way subhuman? He's not exactly the full, complete image and likeness of God. Okay, so then years later, the Savior comes and he's the last Adam and he has to be our representative fully. He has to be human, truly human, but then he was without sin. Wait a minute, I thought all humans had sin. But is sin a necessity for humanity? No. Sin is something that came in afterwards. It was as a result of what we lost because of what Adam did. So we were subhuman. And the next true human that came in, who redeemed us, made us fully human again. Now, we're kind of in this weird intermediary stage where we have, still have the flesh hanging on to us and we have the mind of Christ. And so, like with Paul, we struggle. These things that I do, I do not want to do. And these things that I want to do, I do not do. Who will help me? Who will save me from this body of death? We're this weird, strange intermingling of, of this fallen humanity and redeemed humanity. As scripture says, now we look through a glass dimly, but then we will be known fully. So at some point in the future, and this is what the, the church has called the great hope, is that at some point in the future, we will not only be removed from our sinful flesh, and we will have true human spirit wait a minute can we have just a human spirit no because when God created humanity it was spirit and flesh so our great hope is that one day we will not only have a spirit that is free from sin but we will also have a redeemed flesh that is no longer um, susceptible to sin no longer susceptible to decay, no longer susceptible to death and pain and sorrow. Will that happen this side of eternity? No, ma'am. Okay, thank you. No, it won't. <laughs> but even still in this, where he is adding the mind to this understanding to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. No, it's with your heart, soul, even your mind and your strength. Because even the way that we think about God, as Christ has now entered in, even that is you are now capable, because of the Holy Spirit, to think rightly about God. Oh my goodness. 
the uh, I think the women's Bible study. I think it was uh, the the guy who's teaching that series. Courtney shared with me. You know, he talked about the being a sinner and saint, but so often we our default is to say I'm a I'm a sinner. Right. You know, to use the true human like you know to err is human. Right. And we forget. Well, no. No. Where that's not true humanity. We shouldn't be satisfied with with mere what we think of our new uh, our new definition of humanity. We have the mind of Christ mm-hmm. and you know, First Corinthians, and because of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, or holiness and, and redemption. And so, like we, yes, we are sinner and saint. But there's a, there's a joy in knowing that we we are now through the, the work of the Holy Spirit we are enabled to enjoy that mind of Christ mm-hmm. to to exercise that though <coughs> imperfect in this life yeah so we still can mm-hmm. remember years back um, when Doug was teaching the extension class um, I don't remember which which class it was but we were sitting there one night and he said. Don't you realize that you have been given everything you need to never sin again? And all of us were like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the ability now where before, when you were not a believer, when you were dead in your transgressions and sins, you didn't have the ability to choose the right. Now you actually have the ability to choose the right. And if... You availed yourself of that ability in every single decision. You would never sin again. Right. What's the problem? We don't. We don't. Because we still have this flesh that is clinging on to us, waging war against our mind. You know, that, that uh, Ephesians 2 verse, um, I still love to quote Ephesians, um, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. In this particular case, the mind word that's being used is phronema, phronema. It's our object of thought. It's what are we focusing on? And in the past, we carried out the desires of the body and of the mind. It's what were we focusing on? It was what was our object? What was the, the object of our reasoning? Well, keep in mind that that was our broken reasoning. It was a reasoning that was darkened by sin. And then, verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us in Christ Jesus, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We've been made alive. Our phronema, our objects of thought, our object of our reasoning is now based upon Christ, based upon the understanding that there is something more than what this world can offer. So with this kind of expanded view of the word mind, as we continue in this study, I want you, I keep using the word mind when I say keep in mind, keep in mind that that's keeping your thoughts. Um, But that is the understanding that we're going to be using for the rest of the book that we're going through. It's your whole being. Everything that makes you up who you are. Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Your inner man, your object of thought, your corrected, enlightened reasoning. Your mental capacity. These are the things that when we talk about the Christian mind escaping futility, these are the things that we're talking about when we say mind. Um, I can't believe I'm done early. This is crazy. I've never been early. (laughs) I am... uh, Jeremy asked me to teach this one this week, and I was like, yeah, of course I'll teach this one. It's got to do with the gospel. Uh, yeah. So I figured I was going to go on for, you know, another 20 minutes. But um, does anyone have any questions or anything that they want to uh, add to the conversation? Just this, yeah, I think in the description I put out that, this is so foundational just for everything else we're going to talk about because mm-hmm. if we are if we have not either are exercising a mind mm-hmm. or a the Christian mind right without the gospel the what, what else we're going the other things we're going to talk about really won't make sense if you're outside of Christ mm-hmm. if you're still in the subhuman Adam mm-hmm. these things will not make sense. And for as we go on and read next week, he's going to teach. I think it's he's going to talk about our love for God. The next mm-hmm. week, we'll talk about love for neighbor, and we'll kind of go go in, off through that. But those those things really will not. We will not be able to understand those rightly mm-hmm. unless your mind has been renewed through the the work of Christ, applied by the Holy Spirit. It, it, otherwise, it's we're, we're going to, it's going to be foolishness. Not going to understand those. That brings to mind that other uh, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 2 14 through 16. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Yes. The spiritual person judges all things, 
is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Uh, <laughs> that blows my blow me away. We've been given the mind of Christ. Yeah, go ahead, Josh. Paul, right, talks about not having this lofty speech and wisdom and whatnot. And I, you know, I came to you determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then in every epistle, you see like this amazing rhetoric and like logical. Yeah. Like, what question do you have? I'm going to ask it for you. What what <laughs> possible thing would you have to counter with me on this? I'm going to answer that for you. And yeah. so he is like proof right there that it, it's not just that blind faith or complete absence of thinking through stuff. You know, it's like Paul, whether in the body of the spirit, who, you know, he doesn't know, but God knows. Uh, he worked through these things. And you know, made them his own, and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is really. Um, I, I hesitated to to bring this up because it, it's almost you know over spiritualizing something that happened. But as a new believer, actually before I was a believer. Um, I went over to this guy's house to help him with some computer issues that he was having. And I had gone over to his house probably five or ten times and worked on his computer for hours on end, helping him do certain things and teaching him how to do this and teaching him how to do this. Well, it just so happened that he was uh, one of the people that was instrumental in my salvation. He was the one who bought me my first Bible. It was an NIV Bible. Um, and uh, and I became a believer. I was raised from death to life. My eyes were opened. The scales fell off. You know, you're relating to Paul. And one day, he had another computer issue. And I went over to his house. And I sat down, and I'm working on his computer, and I see something out of the corner of my eye. I look at it, huh? And I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was something about Jesus and him being life, and only through him. You know, it, it was something on this little sign that was right next to his computer, at eye level. You could not miss it. And yet... Every single time prior to me becoming a believer that I went over to his house and missed it. I never saw it. And that day I looked up and I'm like, huh, is that new? It's like, no, it's been there for 20 years. <laughs> it's almost as if my mind was blocked from seeing it. And that's why I say it's kind of, kind of over-spiritualized. It's just this thing that I remember that when I was regenerated, Everything was brighter. Everything was was more alive. Everything was about Christ. Even even Christmas songs, which I knew the lyrics to every Christmas song like everybody does. 
now I couldn't even listen to these Christmas songs without weeping because I understood the meaning behind it. Like, like Paul, he was blind. He was smart. I mean, he was you know, taught by the, the best of teachers. But his mind and his reasoning was darkened by sin until he met Christ on the road and was knocked off his high horse. Let's praise God together that he has allowed us, each one of us, to recognize his glory, his grace, his loving kindness toward us. That he gave us the gift of salvation. That he has not left us to our own understanding, but has given us the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Thank you for not allowing us to remain in our darkness. Thank you for bringing us into the light. <laughs> and not only that you brought us into the light, but that you use us to be the light of the world. That we can bring, by your power, others into the light by sharing the gospel. Father, let your kingdom grow. Let your people whom you have known from before the foundation of the world come to a knowledge of their sin by our proclamation of the gospel. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your design, your plan to redeem people. Father, thank you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.